Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. I named Aurora Pro Services after Mi Mamita Aurora. As a little guy growing up in Colombia, my grandmother was the most important person. That's Oscar from Aurora Pro Services. You could walk in her house and there was always something good to eat. If you needed something, she always had one extra. Wait till you hear this part. So I thought, what's important to a homeowner? And the word invisible came to mind. Invisible? If we're doing our job, we're invisible. Aurora Pro Services works on everything from the roof to the basement, from the plumbing to the AC, from electricity to fresh, healthy air. And invisible is what you want those things to be. Invisible. You shouldn't worry about it. Grandma Aurora always stayed one step ahead of what you need. And we will too. Aurora Pro Services. Grandmother approved. Aurora Pro Services. <sighs> Stephen, I'm driving across West Texas a couple weeks ago, as one does. You're driving, the air's dry, my lips are getting chapped. And so the next time I pull over to get gas, I'm wandering around looking at all the different, like there's Carmex and there's Blistex and there's, I don't know, just bored with all of that stuff. It tastes like medicine. So I grabbed one called Burt's Bees. I mean, it worked. I liked it. I think it's the only thing I've ever bought that was Burt's Bees. Yeah, they have a lot of products today and that's who we're going to talk about. But I want to give you an idea of how popular Burt's Bees lip balm is. Mm -hmm. There's a Burt's Bees lip balm sold every second. I'm not kidding. So by the time we're done this podcast, 500 Burt's Bees lip balms would have been sold. Crazy, eh? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, my office that I'm recording this in would fill up with lip balm by the time we were done. By the time we were done. <laughs> right. Even though they're all little, it would still yeah. fill up. Wow. So that's amazing. It is. And it has a crazy history behind it. So it was started by Bert Chavitz, Bert's, mm -hmm. right? And Roxanne Quimby in Bangor, Maine in the mid 80s. But she's been the main driving force behind the business. A real counterculture, arts student, hippie homesteader. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll give you an idea of how much they were hippies because they were basically the poster children for being hippies. So yeah, they started right. this business in the mid 80s. They incorporated in 1991. In 2004, 80% of the business was sold for $173 million. And then in the late 2007, Clorox bought the company for $925 million. So just shy of a billion dollars. And she still had 20% of the business. So that was Ooh. like another $200 million in her pocket, right? She's doing okay. She's doing okay. But again, this is a crazy story about two hippies who frankly had no interest in business or money or things. <laughs> so in the 1970s, Roxanne moves from New England to the West Coast to attend art school, and she discovers the counterculture. She meets a boyfriend, George Sinclair, at that time, and they buy a van, and they fix it up, and they head back east. And they've got $3,000 and they're going to buy some land. They go to Vermont and they meet with a real estate agent in Vermont who says, 
This is Vermont. $3,000 will get you nothing. Try Maine. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to Maine. They go to Maine for $3,000 in Maine. They buy 30 acres of land in the freaking middle of nowhere. And they build this simple house. No running water, no electricity, heated by a wood stove in freaking Maine. They live in the dream. Live in the dream. And they wanted to be part of this back to the land movement. They wanted to leave civilization. They wanted to have this idea where they needed very little money to live. They just needed money on food. At that point, they were living on $4,000 a year. Okay. She waitressed a day or two a week and George worked at the radio station and they lived there for seven years. They had kids there. They had babies there, like hippies, (laughs) hippie babies. She separated from George in, in 1983 and she moved out of this cabin and into another cabin in the middle of the woods that was even more remote. One day she's hitchhiking home and she meets Bert, who at the time sold honey at the side of the road from the back of a truck. And it was honey from bees he raised, but he was doing the same thing. He was homesteading, right? Yeah. And he actually lived, he was very proud of this. He actually lived in an old turkey coop that he had pulled over from another piece of land. So Bert picks up Roxanne, who's hitchhiking. She offers to start helping him with the bees. So she follows him around, you know, as a helper. So at the time, Bert was selling honey from his bees in one gallon jars. Do you know how much freaking honey that is? <laughs> That's a lot of honey. The first evolution of their business is she suggests, why don't we get smaller, nicer jars and start selling them in farmer's markets and things along that lines. So they got these little plastic honey bears that were 12 ounces, labeled them and made them giftable and went to Christmas craft fairs and farmer's markets. Yeah. And to give you an idea, one of the shows that stood out to them in the early days was one at a local junior high school where they sold $200 in a show. That was like, oh my God, $200, right? The next evolution of the business happened. She looked at all this wax and said, well, what can we do with this excess wax? So they started to sell candles and sold them in the same place. And her original goal was, wouldn't it be amazing if in a year we sold $20,000 worth of product? Then they moved through that. Next thing you know, it was a million dollars worth of sales was, was the goal. And then in 1989, Zona, which was a small boutique, came along and started to buy their little teddy bear candles and literally sold hundreds of them. And now it got to the stage where Roxanne and Bert needed to start hiring people to make these candles. And in fact, they started to have to buy wax from others because they couldn't make enough to keep up with demand. And in 1991, they hit $1.5 million in sales. Okay. And they decided at that point they needed to hire an accountant. So what do hippies do who know nothing about business? They called up their local high school and they said, hey, do you got a kid at high school who's good at math? And they sent over this 14-year-old who became the company accountant. Nice. <laughs> they tell the story. Roxanne tells the story of the days when this kid would go do the bank deposit, he would dress up in a suit. <laughs> so this 14-year-old would dress up in a suit to go to the bank to do the bank deposits. <laughs> They added lip balm, they had a boot balm, they had furniture polish, and they were focusing a lot on skincare. And also during this time, they started improving packaging on these things. And they eventually moved out of candles because what they found was candles were not really scalable. All these skin products you could automate, you could automate the filling and you could automate all of these things. In 1994, they left Maine and moved to North Carolina. And part of the reason why they did that is more centralized location. 
easier for shipping. There was other cosmetic companies there. So it was easier, cheaper, but also they could hire experienced people because all of a sudden there was these people who worked in these cosmetic companies. And really, if you think about it, and they got computerized, they're running this little factory. But you know what? They're still bootstrapping things because they were buying used equipment, like one of the pieces of equipment they had used to be used for making mashed potatoes. Bert figured out a way to adapt it for filling lip balm and things along that lines. And at this time, they were selling in small independent gift shops. But here's where things started getting really brilliant. They marketed, not through advertising, they marketed by giving away small samples of the product to people and to companies. They believed they had a superior product and if they could get it in people's hands, people would buy. And that's what they did. And they also created a gift catalog, but that gift catalog was full of stories about Bert, his bees, and their dog. (laughs) And again, what do we tell people? It's not about your product. That's stories you tell. So it was stories about Bert. It was stories about the bees. It was stories about the dog. Entertainment is the currency of attention. It is. So we go back to, it was 1991, 1.5 million in sales. Now we hit 1998. They're starting this new marketing plan. Sales hit $8 million and they're selling 100 products in 4,000 locations. 1999, for a bunch of personal reasons, Roxanne buys out Burt. Here's where things get interesting. 1998, 8 million in sales. 1999, 13.8 million in sales. 2000, 30 million in sales. 2001, 60 million in sales. I want to remind you, there was a time where a $200 sale was like, you know what's where my mind is is is, is this fourteen year old kid still the controller? Is he, <laughs> I have no idea. That'd be a great question. Over this thirty million dollar company, <laughs> I have I have no I have no idea. There was a point where they were doing everything they could to get people to know about them, and then all of a sudden it hit this tipping point where it seemed like everyone knew about them, and suddenly they were being approached by big box retailers, and that's when she decided to sell out because she was bored going to meeting with big box retailers and something else was needed. So AEA investors came along and bought 80% of the company. And then in 2007, Clorox for almost a billion where she pocketed $200 million came along and purchased it. And then she was completely out of the business. But what's interesting here, and this is the lesson that I think comes from Burt's Bees. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Brought to you by the Least Full of Shit Marketers Association of America. Yes, that's a low bar, but we clear it mightily. We're also the largest pay-per-performance branding group in North America, and that part's for reals. If you're looking for advertising advice geared towards local owner-operated companies, this is your podcast. And now you can pick the brains of these advertising geniuses over lunch without having to pay for lunch or even leave your office. We're talking 90 minutes of straight answers to all your burning questions about lead generation, customer acquisition, mass media branding, how to get off the paper crack treadmill, anything you want. And the only coin required is candor because we can't give no bullshit advice without basing it off no BS data on your company, competitive landscape, operations, and all that jazz. We send you a pre-Zoom questionnaire. You fill it out candidly and boom. 
Bob's your uncle, you're in like Flynn, and we'll be frank as fuck in giving you the straight scoop on all the advertising and business growth questions you always wanted to know, but were too afraid to ask. You'll also get our no pitching and no bitching guarantee. No pitching means we won't pitch you or try to sell you in any way. If you want more after 90 minutes, you'll have to ask. And no bitching means if you don't think the meeting was worth your 90 minutes, we'll send you 100 bucks. Consider it us picking up the tab for lunch and putting our money where our mouth is. Sound like a not-so-full-of-shit offer? Well, that is what we're known for. Take us up on it at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. And this is the lesson that I think comes from Burt's Bees, is they did a pull strategy in their marketing. It was not just get stuff in stores, but by giving these free samples, it got people asking for the product. And what Roxanne knew is if somebody walked into a boutique and said, have you got any Burt's Bees? That boutique will want to carry Burt's Bees. Mm -hmm. It was very much that pull strategy, market to the consumer, get the consumer liking your product, tell stories that the consumer relates to. And the consumer will go to the store and say, hey, have you got any of, and a smart retailer will stock it. And if they have it, the customer will buy it and they'll restock it. So it was very much that pull strategy and not just sort of going, hey, uh, it's just enough to get the product in the door. It's the same, but different as what we saw with Spanx, you know, Mm -hmm. where the founder of Spanx worked sometimes at those stores to make sure people were buying the product. So it's that that pull strategy is very powerful. And and I think way too many businesses go, okay, you know, I got it listed in Costco. I got it listed in Walmart. I don't need to do anything now. And it's like, no, no, you're not done at that point. You've only just started. Yeah. You know, even keeping that name, Burt's Bees, it's so different, right? It's like, what's the difference between Carmex and Blistex? Who cares? What about ChapStick? Well, it's the same thing in a different tube, right? Burt's Bees... It kind of says something about the person that would use it. Even if Clorox owns it, I bought it. I didn't know that, but it, it kind of says, I, yeah, maybe I've got that kind of hippy dippy kind of outlook. Well, you do have the ponytail. Yeah, exactly. And it's even funny how they came up with the name Bert's Bees is that Bert would have these beehives and he yeah. would move them around. And why did he paint on the side of the beehives to mark that it was his beehives? Bert's Bees. Yeah, those are my bees. Those are my bees. Stay away from my bees. Uh, what a great story. I'm sitting here very happy for her. Yeah. And, and she's gone on. She's got foundations that she's doing for, you know, conservation and things along that lines. You know, she really is a very uh, interesting lady. And if you ever have a chance to hear an interview with her, it'll be entertaining. She's got some hilarious stories from the homesteading days. Still a hippie. Just a Still very, a hippie. very wealthy hippie. Just a very wealthy hippie. That's right. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to schedule your own 90-minute Empire Building session, you can do it at empirebuildingprogram.com. Empire Building Program.